Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show Halloween Special. This week on the Backstage Show, we've got uh, this year's Halloween special yes, for you. Yes, our second annual, kind of a bit of a tradition yes. we're starting. This one most likely will be just one part, unless for some reason we come up with more than a half an hour on this topic, which is most unlikely. Yes, indeed. So the topic for this year's second annual Halloween special is mystery shows. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Yes. There are lots and lots of types of mystery shows and community theaters do seem to love doing them. They, There's a lot of theaters that have like at least one of them almost every season. Yeah. And I believe a lot of audiences tend to respond positive to, positively to them. Yeah. I do believe audience response is usually positive to mysteries. Actor response, not always as much, but we'll get to that in okay. more detail a little bit later. I think we should just start from the top, just kind of talking about the different types of mystery shows that there are. Before we get there, yes. Before we get there, I would perhaps interject that since there are maybe comparatively a lot more mystery plays than, say, horror-themed plays, Mm -hmm. that they can be a pretty common go-to if you have in your season a show that's happening around October, November. I I do think those work really well. People usually want to see like a mystery or some something along those lines uh, around the October, the early fall season, as it were. But yeah, as you said, horror. Horror You've done stage. them all, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Every <laughs> one of them. them. A lot of them, yes. <laughs> we'll get to that, too. But, I mean, are there really... Is there a horror stage show? Is there, like, an adaptation of Psycho or something like that for the stage? I don't know about that, but... Friday the 13th, the musical? <laughs> wow. Well, wait, there there's is Evil Dead, the musical. Evil Dead, the musical. Yes, There's yes. also... Uh, what's what's the... Uh, uh, shoot, the one with the, the acid guy. The acid guy. There's, like... Oh, Phantom of the shoot. Opera. No, not Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> It was a movie. Like Swamp a cre- Thing. No. Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, there's there's that one too. I guess that's kind of in the horror genre. But guess what? None of those are mysteries. No, <laughs> I suppose not. But we're just wondering if there are any horror shows. There are some, yes. yes. But they tend to be probably prohibitively expensive yeah. to mount as opposed for a community theater I, I would think. And also, like, we're titling this episode Mystery Shows, but we're kind of talking about the, you know, as we're getting into the types of mystery, not all of them are really mystery shows in the classic sense. sense yeah well there's the what we'll think of the traditional one probably would be more like the whodunit yeah like the your agatha christie I, right I, <laughs> are there even any others other than agatha christie yes i'm there sure there are, are. yeah but agatha christie I directed is, one uh, okay. we'll get into that later there you go i've but agatha before, christie but we'll get into the, it again later is the the the, the go-to it's the one that everybody knows and many people hate but <laughs> <laughs> but the pattern of Having a genuine mystery where the audience is trying to figure out yes whether it's who done it you know whether it's a murder occurs during the show and you got to figure out who who did it or a murder that's occurred sometimes before the show starts and you're figuring out yeah it's a who done it I mean there's really yeah. no other way to put it and audiences like that because it gets them thinking about it gets them talking yeah. about it and there's usually like a lot of discussion during intermission absolutely about, I and think I'll, it's this person and I'll yeah. say more about that later based on my own recent experience. 
And other than the whodunit, there's a kind of a twist on that would be the comedic mystery. That's yes. kind of like... Becomes sort of your stock and trade. I guess and people <laughs> people associate me with these mystery shows. I will get into that too, but I, I don't know that... Yeah, I've done a lot of them, but I've done a lot of shows. So yeah, yeah. kind of comes down to that, but... It's yes, become I do one of your staples. Them. It has, but when you look at what I've directed, I've really only directed two of them. Okay. I mean, Accomplice is definitely a, a comedic mystery. What's the other one? Getting Away with Murder. Okay. That's really it. Other than that, they're... Uh, they they fall into our, our third general or one of our general categories. I guess well, we've got four listed. What's the genre you like? It is a genre I like. I, I like seeing them. I've acted in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I've probably acted in more of them than I've directed. All right. Well, yeah. then that I think that's what is perpetuates the association. Them. And, you know, then you throw in the consulting director and then you've got some of the uh, the, the more whodunit side of it. But anyway, so the, the, the third category that we're looking at in mystery shows is the, the melodrama. Ooh, what would that be? Well, uh, that is your classic shows, you know, as far as stuff I've been involved with. That's your Dracula, your Frankenstein, where it's not really yeah, like... not really a mystery. Right. There's no... You know Dracula is Dracula. It's not a guess of, gee, who killed this person? It's Dracula. They bit him. You saw it. <laughs> Frankenstein is... Thanks, oh, he Glenn. Made a spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Dracula's <laughs> a vampire. <laughs> so... It's... Well, another example, mm-hmm. the vampire... A yes. lesser known work, maybe that's a little bit less obvious if you're not familiar with it. I suppose so. Then you, then it's more of a mystery as to who might the vampire be. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I guess if you don't know Dracula going into it, there's a little bit of a mystery there to it. But the melodramas anyway, I, w- what I find with the melodramas particularly is, is there's a risk of it devolving into a comedy. There's yeah, a fine it's, line it's a very fine line in terms of playing it for the urgency and how seriously the audience can take it yeah I, how I, seriously the actors can take it. i think as far as scripts go and and i've dealt with this of course looking for a dracula and a frankenstein to stage because there's a lot of different adaptations is something that has some comedy in it just has like a, it's a pressure valve it's, it's yeah a yeah yeah I, I see that like the line where dracula talks to i think it's harker and goes i'll get you a nice cape like that's a <laughs> that's a funny line yeah. i mean it might not be as Fun, it might not be I as don't funny care who you are. It. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> might not be as funny with me isolating it like that. But within <laughs> the context, I think it's pretty amusing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I agree with you. That would help kind of diffuse the tension yeah, a little bit where yeah. you're on this cusp of how seriously am I supposed to take this? Mm-hmm. If it gives you those moments of release, it definitely That's what it is because you want them to take it seriously. But at the same time, you know, it's a blah, I'm a vampire or blah. And it's hard to take that seriously. At times. Yeah. And I think we've talked about in the past how when you're doing a show on stage with real people in front of you and that sort of artifice, the suspension of disbelief is much harder to, yeah. to convey in that environment, in a live theater environment. Movies can have, well, I mean, they can have special effects. I guess if you go back and look at the classic Universal Monster movies, if you're not willing to accept them at face value, they can come across as pretty campy. Oh, sure. So I mean, go back to the first, we're a little bit going off topic a little, but going to the first silent vampire movie, Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Anybody watching that nowadays would probably wonder, why was this scary? Who thought? Exactly. I mean, anything that was considered scary back, you know, before we were born, well before <laughs> we were born... 30s, 20s, yeah, early, early movies. As you look at it, you go, "Wow, this was considered scary." Like and, none of it is you, overly scary. You hear stories about people fainting at yeah, at Frankenstein. I've I've heard stuff with that, and I look at it now, and I'm like, 
really? Like, young Frankenstein is scarier than Frankenstein. Right. I mean, maybe when I was four or five, I might have found it scary. Like, actually, yeah. side side note, really, really, I, I found the monsters scary at first when I saw Herman. I Monster. could understand like, that. Oh my god! It's it's, a, like, it's, it's Frankenstein. Change the channel. It's Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, and then when I got older and actually watched the show and realized it was a sitcom. Yes, like, oh, like, well, this is oh, nothing. This is funny. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, kind of got a little off topic. So yeah, that's that's you know your your melodrama, and then and then ahead. there's kind of one more classification that I have per- some personal experience with is mm-hmm. the psychological thriller. Yeah, that's kind of more the modern, the modern melodrama almost. Maybe yeah, it's kind of connected to that, but it's the idea of you, the audience watching this, is trying to figure out what's happening. And then it might what become is happening? Yeah, right. And then it becomes maybe sorry. it becomes more apparent. It's not like the big reveal at the end always in every case. Maybe it's not it becomes, a murder mystery. Yeah, right. It it's becomes more apparent what's going on. Maybe somewhere along the line, it's not something you have to figure out necessarily. Mm-hmm. But then it's a matter of will the characters figure it out? Yeah, and I think that's also and there's there's a, a crossover with that and the whodunit. Some mysteries are structured that way too, where the audience does know what's happening, but yes, it's a matter of will the the protagonist figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think you know when we we're talking about the comedic mystery, and I talk about accomplice. I think accomplice is a comedic psychological thriller rather okay. than a comedic mystery. There's okay. not a real mystery there. Once you figure out what's going on, you know, oh, we're trying to kill this person, and you know, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. That's a script. Seriously, just get your hands on Accomplice and read the script because I'm getting tired of <laughs> not talking oh, about pimping it. pimping it out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great script, and I really loved directing it and all of that. But it's so, to me, that's just a mystery that's more of a mystery than almost anything else I've ever read. Are you getting kickbacks from Rupert Holmes? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no comment. Oh, boy. Rupert Holmes, not a sponsor. <laughs> So, yeah, there's all sorts of different things that we're kind of classifying as mystery shows. But I guess, you know, we didn't go back and look at, like, really historic theater that predates these things like Nosferatu. Like, what's the... Well, that wasn't theater. That was film. Well, I know that was film, but I'm saying that there there had to be some basis in earlier theater that we weren't even considering, that we should have done better research on. Well... Since you mention it, I suppose, and I have a little bit of historical background with this from a play I was involved with, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes Mysteries, for example. Sure. When, and this was actually a contemporary adaptation. William Gillette was a stage actor who, that became his stock and trade. He became best known as a portrayer, portrayer of Sherlock Holmes on stage. Right. Which was reasonably, as I recall, contemporary with the writing of issuing, with the publishing of said stories. Right. There was an overlap. I mean, he was doing this work in the... I think it was the 1910s and 20s, maybe even into the 30s. Well, a lot of these classic movie interpretations, I mean, that's that was where the classic interpretation of Sherlock Holmes came from, right? A lot of the Visually. elements that you associate with them, the mannerisms, the deer, the the cap, the deerstalker cap, the mm-hmm. the curved pipe, which was apparently chosen. Thank you. <laughs> which was apparently chosen to not block his face so huh. much. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah became associated because of his popularization of the portrayal of that character. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, though, that's the same thing Dracula, right. particularly, the that was Bela Lugosi, film, was on That on was based stage. on stage play, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, indeed, the the script is, uh, the, 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 the script that's most often done is the Balderson Dean adaptation of, of the book, which... And that was the movie, the original movie. And that movie was the, the 1930 Lugosi. movie with Bela Lugosi, and I believe they 
they cast him because of his portrayal on stage, and they almost replaced him because of his difficulties with the language. Right. I believe that was correct. But I'm thinking about, like— Although I believe stories that he learned the lines phonetically were apocryphal. Oh, okay. Interesting. We're giving information that has nothing to do with theater. But anyway, but (laughs) but, sorry, any other disclaimers? Can I go on? Okay. (laughs) But going back, like, were there like. Do not talk happy fun ball. Shakespeare contemporary, were there contemporary Shakespeare mysteries? Is there a Shakespeare mystery for that matter? I don't recall any. I suppose you could call like Titus and Dronic as a theater kind of thing. Yeah. That was not very popular. (laughs) No. But are there the tragedies to some extent? Is that the precursor to the mystery? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I would. Tend- we should have done more research. Oh crap! <laughs> Caught us off guard. I'm thinking of when an audience of theater is thinking more of a mystery. They're probably more thinking of the Who Done It part of it. I think Agatha Christie kind of is the progenitor. codified that. Yeah, yeah. we're using a codified and progenitor. We said at the same time. Such okay. fancy words. Yeah, yeah. Now wow. you know what you're in store for in this podcast. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so. It is just, it's interesting. I don't know if that is the source, if if it doesn't go back before then. I'd be curious if anybody out there has any knowledge. More dramaturgical background with this yes. than we do. Yeah, go to our website, backstage.link, click on contact the show. I, I personally would be interested, and we'd certainly pass that information on to our listeners. Indeed. I would say today modern audiences would tend to think of that as their... yeah. The source, the first main concept of what to expect when they go to see a mystery play. Now, you were saying earlier that they're maybe not as popular with actors. Yeah, I do find, in particular, Agatha Christie, a lot of actors are just like, well, these this isn't real theater. This is just something, I don't know, it's like popcorn theater, Okay. for lack of a better term. It's not like... Well, it's kind of maybe geared more towards, you know... The audience entertainment or their yeah, involvement. Yeah, but to me, I mean, that, I, I don't think you can call it not real theater because you're out to entertain an audience. That's the whole point of it, really, to begin with. Yes, maybe it's not intellectual. It's not Shakespeare. Well, maybe the notion of it is that it's more plot-driven and not character-driven? But there are certainly mystery shows that are character-driven. The one that I worked on that I just finished consulting directing uh, the Unexpected Guest. That is an Agatha Christie show. And I'm generally not a huge fan of Agatha Christie, but one of the things that I really liked about this is it was more character-driven. Mm-hmm. And the one before that that I consulting directed, Night Must Fall, which was a thriller, a thriller whodunit, sort of, but you pretty much knew who did it. But it was really a very interesting character-driven, character-examination show. Yes, these are probably more often plot-driven, and I can understand somebody not liking that as much, but... It's not like the characters still have to be developed. I mean, maybe in the context of certain storylines, there might be the con- the idea of a stock character, mm-hmm. certain types that always kind of come up in mystery. A butler, a uh, maid. The uh, butler did it. Yeah, right. But then there's also, you know, when you're talking about the comedic mystery, there's kind of the farce of classics that are playing on that trope. There's like comedic versions of Sherlock Holmes and sure, plays. yeah. In There's fact, the you know your the, the one that you were in the Agatha Christie made me do it. Yeah, well that was yeah that was totally kind of yeah. played for laughs. But so, it was, I mean it was a legit the plot of it was a legit mystery. Mm-hmm. As and far the one, as, there was one that I was in Out of Sight Out of Murder where the butler did it, <laughs> and that was kind of the joke. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. After we get all of this, of course the butler did it. Right, right. But that was the joke. Yes. You know, and that 
kind of puts a different spin on it, and mm-hmm. it makes it maybe even more entertaining in that regard because I think comedian. the audience is trying to figure out who did it on one level, but at the other level, they're laughing about it. Exactly. And it's nice to have that balance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I do like the the comedic mystery most, probably. The, f- the fact that it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. So while it might helps. not be as popular among a lot of actors, I do think the audiences really do tend to enjoy them. They tend to send re- sell really well, particularly mm-hmm. if you can do them around Halloween. Yeah. It's a popular thing. Halloween just seems to get more and more popular as a holiday every year. And sure. people want ways to enjoy that. So This is a little bit of a different stretch rather than your spooky ghosts and goblins and monsters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it fits with what's generally available in the way of scripts for theater. But it yes. also kind of conveys that same atmosphere. And there are so many out there. So, so oh, yeah, many yeah. mystery shows. So there's obviously a demand for them. Clearly. So many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose related shows are... Shows that aren't actually mysteries, like you know somebody's trying to plot to murder somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I still kind of roll that in with everything. Because Accomplice, for example, there's nobody... Is there anybody actually killed? I don't remember if anybody's actually killed, to be honest with you. But the general plot is it's somebody trying to kill somebody else. Mm. So that I kind of rope into a mystery. I don't know if it, it should have a mystery subcategory in, in and of itself. I don't know. Yeah. Neither do I. I think... Well, from the perspective <laughs> of pitching a show yeah. for a community theater season, they probably are looked at as pretty mystery. much the same way. Yeah, I, I think everything, I think that's why we were calling this mystery shows, is that they're all something that would air around Halloween really well. Yeah, that there would, you go. Something that that's would play only... around Halloween, re- something that would play around Halloween really well. That's really the only major important yes, criterion. I think so. But that's how I think community theater groups look at that when balancing out their season if they have sort of a quota of yeah what they're doing so be could be an actual mystery a whodunit or it could mm-hmm. be not it could be more of a thriller but the same sort of tone or a comedy and also plays in around Halloween. or a melodrama well, or any wa- one of the above well when was accomplice glenn when was accomplice yeah what month it was i think we played it around october i honestly don't remember it was it's like five years ago or more at this okay. point i don't remember either yeah well, now I want to look it up. <laughs> While he's doing that, <laughs> if we haven't already plugged backstage.link, now would be a good time. If you have any comments or other things you'd like to share with us, other than please stop doing this podcast, then please go to backstage.link and select contact us. Contact the show. Sorry. Contact the show. <laughs> October, November 2014. All right, then. That's going to require a lot of cutting. Yeah. I don't know when it was. October, November 2014. Well, I'll just get it right in there. All right. I remembered immediately. You can I take, didn't have to look anything up. You can take them out my plugging then. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one that I worked on. I worked on a whole lot of others. I seem to have the reputation as the mystery guy at this point. He's which, a mystery man. Yeah, he's a mystery man. But really, I've only directed four. Okay. But and you've two been, of those were melodramas. But you've been in others. I've been in a half a dozen. But still... <laughs> I've only directed. <laughs> so the only, the only, the first show I ever directed was You're getting, a scream queen. Yeah, right. <laughs> scream queen, right? Ah. <laughs> I, I directed, the first show I did was Getting Away With Murder, which was a, I don't know if you, I guess it wasn't really a comedy. It definitely had funny parts, but I think it was more of a straight mystery, more of a whodunit, because it was, there was a body, a dead body, pretty much from the beginning of the show, and you got to figure out who killed 
That, that would seem to fit. Yeah, that's pretty much a whodunit. That was certainly not Agatha Christie. That was actually Stephen Sondheim and George Firth collaborating on a rare non-musical. Bunch of no-names. Yeah. And then uh, Accomplice, which we were just talking about, and that was, I'd call that a comedic mystery. Yeah. Because that was definitely funny. And oh my God, the twists in that. And it twists. What I liked about it is it takes the audience expectations of what a mystery is and kind of turns them on their head and just keeps doing that mm-hmm. until you're so lost and go, wait, what a minute? Oh, what a minute? <laughs> what a minute. <laughs> what a minute. <laughs> it just twists that and puts it on its head until, you know, you're like, wait a minute, what is going on? What is going on? What is here? happening? Uh, so that's, yeah, I can't plug that show enough. And then the other two that I directed were, were melodramas. I did Dracula and Frankenstein. Uh, at, the, at the barn borderline more horror types of plays not really much of mystery but no there's really yeah. i don't think there's is there really any mystery at all even if there was originally at this point anybody going into dracula and frankenstein probably knows the plot for the most part well they might be surprised with frankenstein if they have say just seen the move this movie. is true it's not a brainless just Aah. yeah 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 so that's what i've directed mm-hmm. acted like i said there's a lot more of that that was everything I guess I'll just go through. I'll just list them all out. Musical Comedy Murders of 1940, Haunting of Hill House, Dial M for Murder, The Bride of Brackenlock, Out of Sight, Out of Murder, and most recently, Arsenic and Old Lace. So I have done, I've been in quite a few, and most of those, I guess, just whodunits? Well, certainly not Arsenic and Old Lace. No. What would you classify that as? I mean, it's a chestnut. Screwball comedy. But it's a but with it's some still, macabre elements yeah, to it. Yeah, it's still I would still classify it as a mystery show. It's something that would play that plays well around Halloween. It would, but that kind of is more speaking to the macabre sinister yeah, elements to it. I think I suppose. that it has than sinister any elements. But Johnny, Johnny, we do the quick twist like in London. <laughs> so yeah, out of sight, out of murder. Definitely, that's that's a whodunit. Bride of Brackenlock, comedic mystery for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. Dial M for <laughs> Really murder. over the top. Dial M for Murder is almost a melodrama. That's a classic. Yeah. Haunting of Hill House, definitely a melodrama. That was an interesting show to be involved with because I know going back and looking at that script, I feel like that script reads like it's a radio show. It's hmm. a script made for radio. Everything is described. The characters describe everything in great detail on stage, which makes it really difficult. And that was a tough yeah. one to get through. And yeah, musical tell, comedy murders tell of nineteen forty method. Yeah, musical comedy murders of nineteen forty. Clearly, a musical comedy. No, it was not. <laughs> Strangely, it's not a musical, but it is a comedy. Interesting. Yeah, and then there's also the ones that I consulting directed on, which is uh, Night Must Fall and The Unexpected Guest. How about you? Well, I've had a bit of experience in these kind of sort of connected genres. Acting wise, you mentioned earlier, Agatha Christie made me do it. That mm-hmm. was sort of a starring vehicle for me, where. It was a legitimate mystery, but it was a matter of who is setting up the main character as the fall guy, as a perpetrator of some crime mm-hmm. that I don't happen to remember off the top of my head. But. And that was one that was like being written as it was being acted, right? Something like that? There was a yeah. writer. The writer was one of the characters. There was sort of the conceit that it was a cop who was trying to become a mystery writer. So okay. he was sort of the framing device. Yeah. I remember I that. read that one years ago and I almost submitted to direct that and i may still direct it because it's a it's a good script it's interesting it's a nice twist and there are a couple points where it's sort of breaking the fourth wall taking it out of the moment Mm -hmm. with that that conceit to it yeah i was also in uh, another bona fide murder mystery kind of with some supernatural elements to it called postmortem at playcrafters i Uh, think i saw you in that 
where I played one of the members of the acting troupe of William Gillette's right. shows, actually. That's how I had awareness of his background. And that was a case of, yes, who killed the, the ingenue, the, stu- mm-hmm. the, the ingenue character. And, and isn't there kind of a comedic version of Postmortem? Yes, as I understand it. Well, of similar context, the same mm. playwright apparently did a different play called The Games of Foot, which was also about William Gillette playing Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. but it had a much more comedic take to it. Okay. I've never read it or seen it, but it sounds like it's the same theme as right. presented. This ver- postmortem is much more serious. Isn't maybe Forge more of a, doing that this year? They may have done it a couple maybe, years ago. I know I've seen it recently. It does come up. The, the play I was in, though, was... You could maybe consider it more of a melodrama because it had sort of the eerie supernatural elements to it, but it also had mm-hmm. an actual mystery to it intertwined. So it kind of encompassed multiple multiples of those things. Directing-wise, the most straightforward mystery that I've directed was a fairly recent one, Hound of the Baskerville, as I mentioned that before. So yeah, that was, that's Sherlock Holmes. That was Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> yeah. again, but nothing to do with William Gillette this time around. <laughs> again, a mystery to be solved. Uh, if you weren't already familiar with the story. And the more psychological thriller type of show that I've directed was Being of Sound Mind, which if you're familiar with gaslighting, that con- yes. story or concept, it's basically the same That's type of concept. Angel Street? Isn't that where gaslighting comes from? It's also called Gaslight? Yeah, Gaslight, I believe. Yeah, but right. I think Angel Street is actually what the script is. Okay, I'm not. yeah, I'm not sure about that. Again, if remember. you can correct us... Backstage.link, click on contact the show, tell us what idiots we are. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, moving on. Uh, so that was more of a situation where, at least maybe for the first part of the show, it was kind of a what is going on here situation. But I think mm-hmm. no later than, say, the beginning of the second act, maybe, if I'm remembering this correctly, you kind of knew what was going on. And then it was more a question of, will the main character figure out what's happening? Yeah, I, I've seen a lot kind of do things that way. Yeah. So that was... Definitely, I consider the psychological thriller type of situation mm-hmm. where it was... Kind of gets into character. Reality warping more. around the main character and yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, and sound design, Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Brackenlock. Yes. I was sound designer for all of those yeah. shows. Two of those I directed and one of them I was in. And doing sound design for shows of that type, because you have probably that much more to contribute to the atmosphere of the show, can mm-hmm. make it... One a bit more intensive than other types of shows, but also more fun. I know I certainly made you work hard for Dracula and Frankenstein. There was a yes, lot of sound, did. a lot of background music and stuff. Um, but I'd say more often than not, mysteries, this broad genre of show probably has more of a demand for tech effects in general. Not just yes. sound, but lighting. And um, lightning. And lightning. And yeah. thunder. Yeah, or other things like uh, weaponry or... Mysterious uh, organ music. Flame. Dun, or... dun, dun. Sorry. <laughs> That's just the melodramas, right? <laughs> uh, or pyrotechnic effects or yeah. prop guns. There or... was, there was uh, the first show I directed when I uh, did uh, when I did Getting Away with Murder. The end of the show was the, the building they were in was getting blown up. So we had pyrotechnics for that. Blown up, sir! Stripes. Uh, <laughs> so we had pyrotechnics for that and, and sound effects and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I I think from, you know, whether actors are not as keen on doing them, I think there are other elements of it that can make maybe the other aspects of the show a little mm-hmm. bit more involved or 
yeah, intricate I, I or just, entertaining. I find them fun. I, I really find them fun to work on, and I'm, maybe that's why I've gotten that reputation as the the go to mystery guy. But it's it's really enjoyable to me. It's it's an escape from reality. It's tension, but easy tension, if that makes any sense. They're it, just they're it's, fun. It's an exercise of building up the tension, but also releasing it. Yes. And it's interesting because I'm not like the biggest Halloween guy. I'm not a huge Halloween fan. As far as horror movie goes, I like, you know, the classic Universal Monsters. That's pretty much my speed. I'm not a big fan of the more modern slasher films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I enjoy the the mystery, the Halloweenish shows, stage shows. They're just fun. There can be a lot to be said of atmosphere. Yeah. And maintaining that atmosphere, that sort of eerie, dim lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's, that's kind of an appeal to me. It kind of... It's more interesting creating sort of an environment of eeriness. Yeah, that, that's what it is. I kind of want people to walk in and just have that like fun Halloween spiritus sensation where yeah, it's like, yeah. ooh, there's spooky, that kind of thing. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> maybe not that level of spooky, maybe not silly spooky. It's a lot easier to pull off 3D in live theater, though. This is true. <laughs> Usually accidentally, though. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> you don't want your stuff actually coming out into the audience if you can avoid it. Well, Unless you do. Clearly you like the format, but what don't you like about it? Uh, well, particularly that fine line between melodrama and comedy. That to me is the the thing that gives me the most headaches and the most trouble. It's like I don't want people laughing in the wrong spots. Mm. I don't want stuff to be so serious that it's funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that's and that's the always fine a challenge. Line. And Dracula and Frankenstein were particularly challenging with with that because they are full-on melodramas. There's nothing unmelodramatic about it. And that's why I spent so much time, because there are so many adaptations of it, I spent so much time looking for the right adaptation and something that has that release valve of the occasional laugh where it's okay for the audience to laugh so that it doesn't build up so much that they laugh at, you know, the creature going... Rrr. Because I think he did do something like that. <laughs> I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy setting the tone and the mood, especially on the technical side with mm. these types of shows. Perhaps, though, on the flip side of that, it is maybe more likely for something to go wrong in yeah. types of those types of shows. Like, for example, tech. my interrupted wolf howling sound effects. I don't even remember that. Was there like a... That was in Dracula. Oh! Oh! Yeah. I mean, it's just a... a a matter of quantity. You have so many sound effects, there's more likely to, for something to go wrong. It's not just sound effects. It could just be effects in general. Like, yeah. in your case, is a gun not going off? Yes, I have had that several times. Guns have been my nightmare in shows, but that was getting away with murder again. Yeah, so First what could one. be a blessing could also be a curse if it doesn't work properly. This is true. And there may be more opportunities where if the show is more reliant on tricks and gags like that yeah. working, if they don't work, it... Get fog effects and becomes a miserable failure and all of this yeah. sort of stuff. And yeah, if that doesn't work right, it can again it devolves into comedy if those effects don't work right. It's a it's a double edged sword. Yep. When it works, it can really be cool, cool mm-hmm. effect, add atmosphere. But when it doesn't work, it completely falls apart. This is true. Maybe that's why, from the actor's point of view, maybe that's maybe what could turn them off about it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, that it relies too much on that sort of thing. Yeah, and they're worried about, well, is this going to work right? Mm-hmm. You know, my performance could be awesome or whatever, but if this gun doesn't go off, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of a thing. Well, if you'd like to share your opinion on mystery shows or if you just have a suggestion for a future 
show or just want to give your general opinion, you can go to backstage.link, click on contact the show. And the last thing I'll say is directing from the standpoint of directing it, I guess maybe there's the element of envisioning and planning for more what if scenarios. Yeah, you do have to do that. And that goes back to our prior discussion about uh, planning for the unplanned. But Mm -hmm. uh, in these types of shows, that maybe becomes a more important element than in other types. Perhaps it does. So if you've enjoyed this discussion, please subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already, leave us a review. Tell a friend about us. Tell many friends. We want all of your friends. (laughs) Until next week. I'm Glenn. (laughs) And I'm Jim. And we'll see you backstage (laughs) if you dare. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hello, I am Glenn. Crap, that was going to be mine. (laughs) Hello, I am Glenn. And I am Jim, and welcome to the backstage show. (laughs) Hello, I am Glenn Blah. And I am Jim, and welcome to the backstage show. That was horrible. (laughs) That was better the first time. Hello, I am Glenn. And I am Jim, and welcome to the backstage show. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Glenn. And I am Jim, and welcome to the backstage show. I don't even know what that was. That one sounded like Latka. Kind of (laughs) did. Hello, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the backstage show. What the hell was that? I don't know. What I'm other spooky run. voices are there? Uh, <laughs> and I'm Rick, and welcome to the backstage show. Hi, I'm Batman. (laughs) And I'm the Joker, and welcome to the backstage show! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Batman. And I'm the Joker, and welcome to the backstage show Halloween special! Yeah, but what does that have anything to do with what we're talking about? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... <laughs> but it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's an outtake somewhere. Yeah. Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show Halloween special. Cut it, print it. <laughs> it's kind of boring. I know. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounds like a crappy pickup line. Delivery. <laughs> hey there. I try for scary and I sound smarmy. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim and welcome to the backstage show. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Why not? Except you didn't say Halloween special. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One more. We'll be right back after these messages. Please stand by. Well, it's clear who has the talent in this partnership. Neither one of us.